Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes. For it's dangerous to go alone. This is The Legend of Retro. Welcome to The Legend of Retro. I am your host, Craig WK, and with me are my two partners. We have Chops. That's me. And we have The Glitch. What's up? I almost chimed in and said, that's also me. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to talk over Tony. Or Glitch, I mean, sorry. So, guys, I, I'm excited that we get to talk about this game uh, because I have a little bit of history with this game, but it's certainly not one of like my, my all-time favorites or anything, but I, I it, it was something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. Uh, today, right. we're chatting about Croc Legend of the Gobos for the PlayStation. Yep. Yoshi World... One for the 64. Basically, like, I, I, I've seen this game, like, just the case, and I've avoided it because it just reminded me of all those generic platformers that was on the PlayStation, like Spyro and Crash and all that stuff, that, like, the people that wanted to be like them. I'm upset I didn't play this, having done this research now, when it first came out. I am upset. <laughs> so, yeah, th- there's a lot to talk about with this game. There's a whole bunch to unpack. So this was developed by Argonaut Games and released for the PlayStation on September 29th, 1997. This third-person 3D platformer stars a young crocodile named Croc who must save a fuzzy race of creatures called Gobos who took Croc in as a child and raised him as their own. Well... If that doesn't scream Nintendo, I don't know what does. <laughs> well, it's funny you say Nintendo, and that glitch calls this game the Yoshi World uh, uh, what? 64. Yeah. yeah, Yoshi World 64. So this game was made by Argonaut Games, uh, who are the ones who made the Super FX chip for the Super Nintendo, uh, Star Fox. Which, which I, I think is kind of crazy, right? Like, how many developers have a groundbreaking hardware piece in their catalog you know yeah not many yeah i just like for a second want to say like uh, other than like sony who who is a console creator that makes a studio for for their their company i just i want to give a shout out to argonaut games for the fact that they created a an amazing chip for the mm-hmm. super nintendo yeah yeah uh, but then nintendo oh. slapped them in the face as craig's about to explain yeah i know so well now hold on let's let's go slow with this so Argonaut Games didn't just do the uh, Star Fox, you know, and the Super FX chip. Uh, They also made uh, X on the Game Boy, which never came to America, but it's like a super revolutionary Game Boy game. Yeah, I think that's the first one to use the card, wasn't it? No, that was on Game Boy. That didn't have the card. Uh, But you can tell that they were inspired and wanted to make that the game that was on X. Oh, yeah, because it has that kind of rendering, the same rendering, right? exactly. That's what it was. Uh, They also made Stunt Race FX, Mm -hmm. and they also made Ren and Stimpy Fire Dogs. Yeah, that was weird, right? This is a company of highs and lows as far as I'm concerned. That Ren and Stimpy game is abysmal. But, as as Glitch said, uh, 
Nintendo and Argonaut Games had a bit of a falling out. So, Nintendo canceled Star Fox 2. And then, to top it off, when uh, Argonaut Games started to do, like, 3D... Uh, 3D stuff, they, you know, wanted to pitch a game for Nintendo for the N64, and it was going to be a platformer starring Yoshi, and apparently have, like, racing segments and, you know, all this other stuff. Apparently, Nintendo was originally kind of excited about it, and then they, you know, came back to Nintendo, and they're like, yeah, so you want this, right? And they were like, no, no, we don't. And Argonaut Games were like, all right, fine, whatever, we'll go somewhere else. And... I think what was likely happening is that originally Nintendo was excited. They they saw this fun project and thought it might be going somewhere. And then I think they were working on Mario 64, which came out a year before Croc did on the PlayStation. And so I think that they were just like, no, we're going to do it better than you guys. So forget it. Yeah. And that's crappy. I <laughs> like, mean, yeah, yes and no. This game now looking through the lens of a Yoshi platformer seems like it'd be a ton of fun. Now here's the thing. I I I think Croc is a very interesting game. I think it's a very cool game. Uh, it has a lot going for it. It came out a year after Mario 64, and its controls are nowhere near as good as Mario 64's. No, it's like tank-ish it control. Is. They're tank controls on a 3d platformer it is clumsy as heck i uh and don't me wrong i i think in that era you know there's only so much you could do but it's just interesting that like mario 64 has its issues sure i'll i'll gladly admit that it objectively has issues but its controls are so much smoother than crocs because it is it's like it's like you took Leon Kennedy or or Jill Valentine and slapped him into a platformer, you know? It's, like, <laughs> tanky and awkward, and it just doesn't really work very well for the game they wanted to do. Yeah. What's sad, too, is this game is very, like, Nintendo-esque. It's cutesy, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, it looks like something that would have really succeeded if it was on that platform. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I mean... I think even Jess Sands, who's the founder of Argonaut, said that Miyamoto met him years down the road at a E3 and was like, hey, yeah, sorry about all the stuff we did to you. You know, your game kind of inspired us to do 64, Mario 64, you know, my bad. And he just saw that as like a big, like, you know, screw you. Well, <laughs> like, it's, a little, it's a little too late, <laughs> I think, at yeah, that point. Yeah, uh, I mean, but here's the thing. I, you know, on, on one hand... I, I absolutely understand that Argonaut Games decided, you know what, nuts to you, Nintendo, we're out of here. I, I, I would have likely done the same thing. I can't say I wouldn't. But from Nintendo's side of things, you know, when you're trying to revolutionize 3D gaming and do your own thing and make sure that you don't have to rely on a third-party company to bring that quality to your system, I get that, you know, they turned them down. Like, I understand, you know, it would be like, it'd be like if you were an author or something and you had this character, like, you know, uh, I don't know, the, the person who made like Harry Potter, it'd be like if someone came out with like fan fiction that was way better than yours, it'd just be like, no, I can't have this. You can't be doing better than me at my mm -hmm. own thing when I'm the one who's like owns the rights to this stuff. Well, 
nowadays it would just be Nintendo acquiring them and then folding them into their own studio. That's the thing is like it kind of sucks of the time. That's not that wasn't really the thing at the time is to fold in these studios. That's true, but it's weird because I don't think Nintendo really does that much because Rare, they lost Rare, they lost Argonaut Games. Nintendo has unfortunately has a bit of a bad track record in this era for losing out on really good companies that they probably should have done that. I think you're right, Chops. I think that if they had bought and kept Rare and Argonaut Games, they could have had a lot of talent at their disposal, and they didn't. And I I, I don't know, was it pride? Was it the fact that they didn't think they could afford buying their studios? That they think no. that was a bad business decision? I, and, and I don't want to be insensitive. I think it's just maybe just a, maybe their Japanese culture of Nintendo. Oh, that could be. That could very well be that. That I mean, let's face it. Japan has unfortunately had a history of xenophobia. And so, yeah, that, that very well could be the case where they looked at it as Western developed? Nah, we don't need that. And then in hindsight now, as years have gone by, there are, you know, the more successful games are from Western developed companies these days rather than Japan like they were in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What confuses me about the whole situation, though, is they still ended up having a game on the N64 that they made, which was Buck Bumble. What? They did Buck Bumble? Yep. Uh, excuse me. Buck Bumble. Pardon me. Let me rephrase oh, yeah. that. Clear your throat first. <clears throat> Cool, blimey, they did the Buck Bumble, eh? There we go. Going up did. Biggity Buck, Buck Bumble. (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, that's interesting that, and I mean, don't be wrong, they're a business, and even if Nintendo made them mad, if Nintendo said, hey, here's a bunch of money, do this game, yeah, okay, they'll do it. But it's interesting that they're willing to go on record and say, yeah, Nintendo slapped us in the face, we were done with them. But then they did business with them. It's like I mean, I mean it could also depend on the publisher too. It could depend on yes. you know how the that's, publisher works and their relations. That's sure. a huge point too, because you have a kind of more of a separation between developer, publisher, and system. I think in this era where you're having games developed and you're pitching them to a publisher, and that publisher then works with the partnership of where to release these things. That's true. And this being also a PlayStation One game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if this was released on PC, um, it was. but it was released on PC. Windows okay, 99. so then that, you know that's that's the that's the other avenue there in this era is that you also have this third party non system oriented platform. Granted, it's not the most robust in library of games that are interactive, other than point and click adventures at the time, which I love. But yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't think that's controlled by the developer. You kind of just create a product, and then it gets released everywhere. Whereas nowadays, you have develop, developers creating games in ways specific for systems. So it's a little bit different now. That's um, yeah, that's so, true. So I could see that's why they go. But the game, I mean, okay, faults aside, as far as controls go and simplicity, because it is, I think it's a rather simple game. Sure, it it looks good. It looks just as good as like Spyro did at the time, which was mm-hmm. another platformer. Um, I, I think that it has a like like glitch said a lot of charm. It's very colorful. Like I think it had a lot going for it, and and, and honestly, I think it's probably the tank controls that don't make it last long and 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 play well nowadays. But at the time, in our ignorant eyes, I think that probably most people didn't care about that. Well, I think one of the biggest downfalls is 
its repetitiveness. Because like games like Nintendo or Mario sixty four, Spyro, Banjo Kazooie, they have all their elements in the game once you get further along. But Crack, it's collect gabos, break stuff with your butt. I mean, it, that's it. There's not tailspin. That's it. There's literally nothing they add to the environment, and it's because they cut a lot of content. Like there was supposed to be like a snowboarding level with ice and everything, but they ended up cutting that for whatever reason. And it's just a repetitive game after you finish the I first think, I think they had, I think they had to pivot pretty hard because of Nintendo there. Well, I don't know about that because, you know, I mean, they, it could very well be the case, but if they were developing this game before the N64 came out, you know, I, I like to think they'd have the time though. Here's the other thing is they ended up the the company that published it was Fox Interactive. <laughs> and you know a company like Fox is not going to not micromanage. So I'm True. sure that Fox stepped in and was like, "Yeah, okay, so you're going to get this out before the holiday season." And they were like, "Well, we want to add this stuff." And they were like, "Ha ha ha, ha no." I uh, but I uh, yeah, uh, uh, to follow up with uh what Glitch was saying before, uh, I got this game, I think, for that Christmas of, of uh, 97, the Chris, uh, few months after it came out, because uh, this game would have released, uh, I think, 10, yeah, 10 days after my birthday. Uh, and so uh, I, I ended up getting it. And yeah, I got to the ice level, which is only like the second island or whatever. And yeah, it's just more of the same. There, There's not, you know there's not enough variety to make it yeah. feel like there's, you know, anything that's that worthwhile to continue playing. And there'll be more about that uh, later that I want to talk about when we get towards like the ending and stuff. Uh, but uh, Glitch, let me, yeah. uh, uh, and Chops, let me uh, uh, kind of run through the list here. So this is kind of a standard collectathon, right? Yeah. You collect six Gobos each level. The final Gobos uh, hidden behind a door that needs five different colored gems. If you collect all the Gobos in an area, then after fighting the boss, you unlock a secret level that rewards a jigsaw piece. And then mm -hmm. you collect all those jigsaw pieces and it unlocks an island with more levels. And it's all more of the same. Rinse and repeat. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is, it is very repetitive. It just occurred to me. So Fox Interactive published this while you were talking about that. I realized last week was uh, Die Hard Trilogy, which was also oh, Fox Interactive. Yeah. So, yeah we, did, we did two in a row. Yeah. So we did two Fox Interactive games in a row. Interesting. Uh, you could say we're super fanboys. <laughs> yeah. A Fox Interactive. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. By the way, this episode is sponsored by Fox Interactive. Oh, crap. <laughs> Uh, so I do see that I, I get a feeling of a slight Italian hidden agenda here in this game, because you're you're what? collecting you're collecting gabos, who have been captured by the Dantini tribe. It's uh, not it's not gabagool. This gobble look the gobbles got captured by the Dantinis. It's not gabagool. Okay, they're gabos. <laughs> Oh, glitch you and your Italian agendas. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. You just don't see it. Just, you don't, don't see it like I do. It's like the Freemasons, you know? We just don't We don't see it. Somebody touch of my Illuminati! <laughs> uh, so, 
So we've talked about the game and all the stuff you have to collect. Uh, the tank controls. Uh, there, there is something else I wanted to uh, dive into. Uh, did you guys look up the secret ending? No. You mean if you collect everything, or yes, like and you. So, so yeah, I have seen the the secret. Ending. I've I actually so I, I played this game probably. I probably got it the same time you did that Christmas because this game came out like four days after my birthday, and uh, I remember playing it on a demo. But I beat this game a hundred percent. Oh, nice. So, so you're aware of the, the, the amazing secret ending. So, so chops, let me lay, lay it on the table here for you. You go through the game and you defeat the final boss, you know, tough battle, whatever. And it, uh, it flashes through the credits and it shows you this like weird chamber that has all these like gongs in it. It's like four different sections, almost like a plus shape. Yeah, because you're supposed to, like, ring gongs in the game, right? Yeah, at the end of every level, you, like, ring the gong or whatever. So, that like, that shows you this, like, weird area. And then at the end of these credits, it tells you, like, oh, make sure to, like, collect everything. So it's like, okay, you gotta collect everything. If you go through the game and get every single thing, every item that they require you, all the gobos and all this other stuff, uh, you fight a secret boss. It's, like, the crystal version of the final boss. And you have to ring all four of those gongs in order to defeat the boss. But the video I watched of it, the dude didn't jump onto the platforms that, like, go past the boss and stuff. He just, like, skirted the edge and, like, jumped to each platform, rang each gong, ended the battle in seconds, and then the credits flash. And it's like, oh, okay, so we'll get the secret ending. The only change, the only change is during the credits... It says, Croc will return. And then there's a message that says, take care. Take care. That's it? That's it. Take care. Of all the messages that they can give you, it's Croc will return, which is likely a James Bond reference because at the end of every Bond movie, it says James Bond will return. And then usually it says in and then the movie. Uh, and if they don't have the next movie decided, they'll at least say James Bond will return at the end of every one of his movies. Likely, it's a reference to Bond. If I had to wager a guess, sure. But that's like that's like me looking for hidden Italian agendas in video games. Come on, <laughs> that's a little more obvious than your conspiracy <laughs> theories glitch. Uh, Cabos, Dantini, come on, man, you don't see it. That's it. Those are the only two things you keep saying. <laughs> but then it says, "Take care." What you would tell your mother when you were, like, saying goodbye to her. That's it. That's all. That's It's a message that you would say to somebody who's about to, like, go to the corner store. Oh, I need to go pick up some groceries. Oh, you take care. That's the message in the credits that you have to collect every single item for. That is the worst secret ending I have ever heard of in my entire life. I, I sense you're a little upset by it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very poor secret ending. If they had said, yes, there's a hidden Italian agenda at the end of it, would it have been a better game? Yeah, absolutely. If this foretold glitches crazy conspiracies in, like, some kind of weird, like, self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah, that'd be way better than take care. 
It's King Rufus sitting at a table eating spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and just like making eye contact with you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a crappy secret ending. I, 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 I will give that to you. Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, I'll be honest though, like PlayStation One games. I feel like it was such an effort to make those games to begin with that by the end of it, the developers didn't have energy or know what to do to make them a little bit more exciting at the end. I don't know. Or secret. I, I, I don't know of any other games that have like really secret endings in the PlayStation One era. Oh yeah, secret endings are are a very specific thing. Like, there's a lot of PlayStation games that have very good endings. Uh, but yeah, secret endings are another matter. Uh, that I would have to do research on. I don't know what that. I mean, like, I had. yeah, in games had secret endings. Like, look at the Donkey Kong Country games. If you collected all of the DK oh, coins, you know, or whatever, those. the bird, you know, the banana birds or whatever it was in that game, there was always like an additional ending to the game. True, but uh, I, I suppose Chops is specifically talking about the PlayStation. Uh, yeah, because, PlayStation. because I'm talking about like its development cycle itself being a little bit more difficult than other systems so then i don't think i didn't think there was a lot of incentive for developers to really throw in that extra stuff secret stuff okay i suppose nowadays you don't really see secret endings very often well you so you have more of achievement kind of things i guess would say would be the the nowadays modern Mm -hmm. collectible like you collect all these things but then also i feel like you have a lot of games that are um different like paths or things based on decisions or you know like more division in the in the game's story based on choices than just like secret ending go back and beat it or go back and collect this stuff i also feel like a lot of games it's hard for them to keep secret endings anymore because everything is put out on the internet right so i mean you're not going to get that like silent hill 2 where the dog's controlling everything kind of ending in a game like on the playstation (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think the other thing, too, is Secret Endings is just one of those kind of things, like hidden tracks in a CD where it just doesn't happen. Or, yeah, like like I remember as a kid, you know, when you found out that you could put the Sonic CD disc in a CD player and listen to the whole soundtrack. Like, that that was amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. That was something that they don't, I didn't think they advertised that. Or maybe if they did, I didn't pay attention. But it is kind of sad, like, that... Um, I don't want to say nostalgia, but that mystery behind games is, is now gone, regardless yeah. of where, when, or how it's released. Maybe we should make a game studio where we release only things on f- hard floppy disks. I mean, so people have to get a machine that'll play them first, and then go through the game, and then they have to post about it on the internet. So there's like a good delay there. It's going to be quite a short game, too, because there's not much on a floppy disk. No, it's going to be a 20-disc set. <laughs> <laughs> and here's your booklet. I, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I would absolutely love for a, uh, like, old-style, uh, you know, those, like, uh, uh, old PC adventure games, like King's mm-hmm. Quest. Uh, like, I would love to do that with you guys. Do our own... Our own Legend of Retro point-and-click adventure. Oh, that would be amazing. Called The Legend of Retro. I do have RPG Maker... Oh, is it like 
VX or something like that. I could. No, we gotta go older. <laughs> we gotta. Older. We gotta. We gotta go like. It's gotta be. IBM, it's gotta run on DOS. Is that what IBM we gotta do? computer or like <laughs> Apple, not Mac, Apple computer. Man, maybe uh, the Apple II if we're feel, feeling real, uh, real futuristic. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, we're going to fail two point Let's. I think we've. I think we've talked about this the game enough. Yeah. Uh, I, so I mean, all you know, back controls aside, the repetitiveness. It still sold exceptionally well. So I mean, it sold over three million copies, which yeah. is insane, and essentially making it the thirtieth best-selling game on the PlayStation One. That's great. That's pretty crazy. Uh, it's also interesting to me that they really wanted Croc to be a multimedia franchise, much like uh, they tried to do with Bubsy. You know, they, yeah. they they wanted to make something, and that's likely why Fox Interactive Fox, was, yeah. was yeah so big into it, because they thought, oh, if this is big, we can do cartoons, we can do movies. Heck, uh, uh, there's a, a commercial for this game that they put in, I think it's like, VHSs of Power Rangers and like Casper, the friendly ghost movies. Uh, did you guys see uh, listen to the commercial? No, I didn't see that. Would you guys like to hear the commercial right now? Yes. Yes, please. Let's, let's go ahead and give the commercial a listen. There's a new adventure hero in games, Croc. Join Croc as he runs, jumps, swims, climbs, pushes, stomps, and jelly jumps his way through a breathtaking 3D adventure. Help Croc through 50 amazing levels as he faces hordes of villains and obstacles. From swarming sharks and giant bees to slippery glaciers and hot lava, Croc, Legend of the Gobos. For PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and Windows 95. I... Love how 90s that commercial is. It is just so 90s. I do jelly jumps every morning. <laughs> jelly jumps. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I, uh, I I found that commercial, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, I gotta make sure that we play that on the episode. So something that's funny about that commercial because obviously it was pretty early in the development. The gong says goal, which was actually something that was an early de- development that they changed up, because now it, it's the that beanie, the the thing that follows you around, it's his face. Oh, that bird thing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the Italian Illuminati symbol. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the goal, that was taken out in, uh, by the end of the final finalization of the game. Interesting. It's fun they to see. They actually took out a couple things, because... Uh, I know originally it wasn't supposed to be crystals that you were supposed to collect because you got to collect five different colored crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, it was the words bonus. So kind of like in Donkey Kong where you collect, you know, rare or whatever. Um, the, it would be, you know, B-O-N-U-S. And they still had a red crystal in the game, but it gave you five of the mini crystals instead. Interesting. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, now, I. Uh, uh... Glitch, did you find any glitches in the game? Is there anything uh, interesting as far as that goes? I did, but a lot of it has to do with speedrunning. So, Chops, what did you get with speedrunning? So, I, I I didn't do too deep in speedrunning. I did movement-based research, so I'm glad you're going to be there to team me up on this. Um, Absolutely. So, there's a, there's a few categories for this game. Most games, platformers of this genre, I think, have 
quite a few categories usually for them. Um, but this is one of those games where it has a category based on a thing you could do for your movement to help you get around areas. So there are some games out there like in Mega Man speedruns where they have um, your standard categories and your glitchless categories because your glitch sure. glitches cause you to move better and faster through the game. So one of the moves is a hover, basically. So uh, you know how like when you could spin your tail and you could jump, obviously. Yeah, yeah, basically, like your tail whip thing, right? Yeah, basically if you press X square and then hold X, um, it'll allow the character to just hover in the air. <laughs> what? Seriously? Yeah. yeah, so you know, Craig, when you said you watched the final uh, secret ending battle where you just jumped from platform to platform where the gongs were he was doing the hovering oh to skip all the other platforms he had to jump on i see i was wondering why there was such an oversight in the final like penultimate battle or whatever the or the final battle or the final ultimate battle i should say uh and it's determined like and how quickly you do it is the shorter that hover lasts and so like speedrunners know exactly how long they need to do that combination of buttons to make their hover last that specific distance. Um, So it's pretty crazy to see that amazing like totally like movement crashing ability. Not crashing, but like like it it totally subverts whole parts of the levels. Yeah, because it all depends on what frame. And I guess the way they they kind of figure it out is when you do the tail spin, as soon as you see like the pupils of crack, that's when you hold down X again. And then that's the like the longest you can jump, and you can always just like let go, you know, to land on something if you wanted. So the the any percent run I found has uh, ever turn uh, at forty one minutes nine seconds, and most of these players played on the PS two just because it loads faster and it's a little bit more consistent. Um, and then he also has a hundred percent category, which isn't too much longer. It's an hour and thirty two minutes and fifty six seconds. Interesting. I, uh, and that one's glitchless because that there is a thing called Gabo duplication. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, do you want to speak to those. Yeah. So, essentially, like Craig had mentioned, uh, in each level there's five Gabos you have to collect. Once you get all the crystals, it opens a door, and that's where the sixth Gabo is. And if you collect all the Gabos in an area, it unlocks a secret level um, where you get the puzzle piece. Yada yada. Re, you know, do it over again for the next world. Um, there's actually a way to manipulate the game to just give you unlimited Gabos. So there's two ways to do it. One is if you collect a Gabo and die immediately before the Gabo goes into your backpack, when you come back, the Gabo will still be there, but it collected it technically. So you can literally just like run into an area where there's a Gabo, die, like fall into a pit or something, and then just keep doing it until you get the, the 18 that you need for that world. It's all based on worlds. Like, you couldn't just get all, what is it, like, five or six worlds in this game? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't just get all of them in the game entirely in one swoop, but you have to do it for, like, each world. But it makes it a lot easier, and that's what, there's a category, like Chop said, there's 100%, and then there's 100% Gabo duplication, which is a little bit faster, because, you know, they're just essentially cheating the game. Um, and then uh, I did find one more glitch exploit thing that you can do, and it's actually something like super quick. It's the first stage in the game you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you ring the gong, there's still a little bit of animation going on in the level itself. So if you get hit in the game, you lose your crystals. It's kind of like Sonic. You lose your rings once you get hit. So you just lose all of them. 
in this game it's the same way it's just crystals so if you set it up so that you ring the gong but there's an enemy that's still like circulating around and hits you it'll actually take damage but it will collect your crystals and then send your counter all the way back to 999 crystals because it only goes up to a thousand so you get hit you collect whatever crystals you had on you and then you go back to 99 and it'll just give you free guys because you get a free guy every hundred crystals oh so they'll do that when they do the duplication run they'll get a bunch of crystals you know do that death warp thing or whatever uh get all the crystals get all the lives and that way they can just kill themselves over and over while they're doing the gabo duplication oh Oh, slick it's like a weird rube goldberg machine there (laughs) (laughs) rube goldberg machine of death basically death and those are the best ones Uh, Anything else? I got yeah. That's all I had for uh, for crack. Other than the music. Yeah. Oof. So let's dive into the music after a word from one of our partners. Imagine being stuck in a room for days, far from your friends and family, while feeling sick and scared. Now imagine being in that same room, but having access to online gaming, virtual reality, 3D printing, Lego robotics, and the ability to create your own Twitch channel. At CS Mott Children's Hospital, we use video game technology to improve our patients' lives and help them reach their therapeutic goals. But we can't do it without your help. Every device and interaction provided to our patients is paid for by the thoughtful donations of gamers like you. If you want to help, then go to tiltify.com slash mottchildren. That's T-I-L-T-I-F-Y dot com slash M-O-T-T children. There, you can make a one-time donation, or if you're a content creator, learn how to stream for Mott. So if you want to help other gamers like you, please visit Tiltify.com slash Mott Children and play for the little victors. All right, guys. So uh, we're talking the music of Croc. Composed by Justin Charvona, Karen Griffin, and Martin Gwynn-Jones. Uh, now, Charvona uh, also worked on King Arthur's World and Ren and Stimpy Fire Dogs. As well as... And Croc 2. And... Uh, the on. terrible game Catwoman, based off of the horrible Halle Berry movie. I didn't want to have to think about that, but yeah, that one too. Uh, Griffin worked on an interesting-looking game called Malice, A Cat's Tale, as well as Croc 2. That's like a autobiography of cats, right? <laughs> Basically. Uh, the musical? Sure. All right, yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jones worked on Ren and Snippy Fire Dogs. And that's about <laughs> it. I'm going to look that game up. Ren and Snippy Fire Dogs? Actually, its music is not bad because it's just sort of emulating the music of the show. Uh, I, I don't remember it being bad anyway. But the gameplay itself is pretty abysmal. Uh now, Charvona was inspired by uh, Mexican music, The Addams Family, as well as music from the Treehouse of Horror episodes of The Simpsons. I thought that was super interesting. Uh, in fact, before I even had a chance to do research, Glitch had sent me a message. He was like, did you see what he got inspiration from? And I was like, no, nah, I mean, I'll look it up, man. And he's like, no, 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 you got to look it up. It's going to be super exciting. And I was like, yeah, we'll see how exciting it is. And it was super exciting. Uh, and uh, I, I think that you'll be able to hear Adam's family 
and uh, uh, the Simpsons Halloween special music. When we get to that theme at the end here, but I'd like to first start off with Glitch's pick. This is uh, Volcano Island 5. Let's go ahead and give this a listen. think that they did a really good job uh, nailing that kind of happy, colorful atmosphere that a platformer like this, you know, presents. Yeah, I could listen to that track all day. It's very melodic. And it's so funny because it's Volcano Island, and you wouldn't really associate a song like that to a volcano level. But the first level isn't, you know, it's very green, so it kind of works with the music a lot. I will say the you'll notice throughout these songs there's just a, a simple melody that he, they kind of use over and over again, but they kind of put twists and turns on it. And um, this is, I will say, like almost every song in this reminds me of like a role, an RPG. Like I feel like it could be a town theme or uh, an interaction theme or like any like this music has no business being in this game is what I'm trying to say. It should be in a much better game. <laughs> I do hear what you're saying though. Yeah. I do hear like a town theme type of style to it. No, I, I think you're right. I, I do think that it has that kind of feel. I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that the, the team that worked on these games didn't really do a ton of video games. Otherwise, you know, they like what I, the list I pulled from is, is a lot of their highlights. One of the composers, I think it's uh, Charvona. Uh, oh, maybe it was one of the others. Now I don't remember. Uh, but they're in, they do work in, like, sound editing and stuff for, like, movies and TV series. So, like, you know, they, they have a, a career that has continued on and good for them. 
Uh, but it's a shame that we don't hear more video game soundtracks coming from them. Uh, Absolutely. Now, the next song is a choice that uh, Chops had. This is Fight Night with Flibby. Let's go ahead and give this one a listen. vibes from that song oh totally it's it's a funky rock beat and it just it takes a minute for it to get going i feel and then when it has that that synth come in i just want it to like just go into this crazy solo and it doesn't like like every song i just wanted to go a little bit wilder Mm -hmm. uh but i still really the soundtrack blew me away um I was doing research and I was telling my wife, oh, I think I just need like a half an hour to finish up. I spent a half an hour only listening to the soundtrack of this game. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> and, and, and again, this game has no reason to have this good of music, but it does. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Uh, a game for, that Fox Interactive was in charge of uh, having published, you know, you could totally imagine that they would have been snapping their fingers and telling them to hurry up and, you know, it, the music doesn't matter, get it out the door, going as cheap as possible. But, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's a really good soundtrack. I think that if they had maybe a little more time, because uh, like you said, Chops, I feel like there's there's gold there, but I'd like that gold to be slightly more refined, like a little bit more... Yeah, a little bit more out of the box because, like, it, it definitely feels like it's fitting within the constraints of the aesthetic of the game, mm-hmm. being kitty, playful, colorful. Yeah, I just want it to be a little bit more funkier in spots, or a little bit more 
gothic in spots or a little bit more islandy like like just jazz it up just a little bit more with that that kind of improvising feel to it um with those like interludes that come in but it it, it doesn't but it but it's still the soundtrack is still really good now it's great that you brought up gothic because my choice for what i wanted to listen to is the theme of cave one uh which is where you're going to hear the you know adam's family you're gonna hear simpsons halloween specials treehouse of horror let's go ahead and give this a listen this one a little shorter than uh, I would normally because uh, Chops had said that Cave 5 was way better than Cave 1. It is. It's a fact. And so we're going to go ahead and listen <laughs> to that one uh, and uh, give you guys that experience as well and uh, and we'll, we'll judge if Cave 5 is indeed better than Cave 1. Uh, let's give it a listen.
right, yeah, fair enough, Chops, you win. Yeah, that's right. It's better. It, I will say in my notes, I put, when I was listening to songs, I put Cave 2, and then I got the Cave 4, I was like, or 4, and then parentheses, I put Funky. And then I got the 5, and I put dot, 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 no, Cave 5 for sure. <laughs> uh, it just, like, each each version builds on itself, and there's, like, that call and response with the uh, theremin, Yes, there's a theremin used in this game. Oh yeah, um, with the violin. I listed out all the, the instruments that 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 hit my ears: steel drums, violins, guitars, trumpets, timpani, cowbell, sitars, theremins. Literally, almost every instrument was used in the soundtrack in some sort of way, and it and it is amazing. Yeah, they they uh, did a crazy cave cave five isn't as good as cave three. You, you guys, you're are you're wrong. Yeah, I will. All right, so you play Cave that. Three. Yeah, no, just that, play all the caves. We'll be play here for hours. No, we'll be. We're here gonna for have days. the fans Discord tell us which cave is better. Right, yeah, I'm working on Cave releases, Six. When this episode releases, we'll post the cave songs. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Everybody um, wants that. Uh, listen, if you're not already a member of our Discord, go to GameZillaMedia.com. Jump on and let us know which cave theme is the best cave theme from Croc. Uh, we need your input. Chops, put out a, an emoji poll in the Discord when this episode. They're comes all gonna out. be caves. <laughs> They're not gonna. Nobody will know which one. No, just them. put a number, Chops. You don't... Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Listen, I don't like that idea. Smiley face is gonna be cave one. Frowny face <laughs> is gonna be cave two. Cave How three bad is gonna be cave three. Oh, okay. Four uh, is going to be K5. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, what are your final thoughts on Croc Legend of the Gobos for PlayStation? Go and listen to Crystal Door Challenge, Ice Island 3, the title theme, literally the whole soundtrack. You don't even have to play the game. I'm not even I'm not going to recommend the game. I'm going to recommend people to listen only to the soundtrack. All like 60 tracks. Glitch, how about for you? Uh, so, I, obviously, I played this as a kid. I guess I didn't realize how repetitive it was back then. Now seeing it, I, I could see myself not really being that interested in it. But, man, I loved this game as a kid. Uh, played it a ton. And uh, I'm glad I got to experience it. Because it it, it's funny to see how much this game did in sales. Because I feel like I didn't know anyone that played this game growing up. But it obviously did well. So... Maybe maybe I just had the wrong friends. <laughs> Dang, that's oh, cool. We we know that. <laughs> We're here, aren't we? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, mm, that's a bad omen. I uh, yeah, I I I think that I even when I was younger and played this game, I eventually kind of got bored with it. I uh, so I have a hard time recommending it, but it it as. As a complete package with its interesting story, its music, its aesthetics, I feel like it will always have a special place in my heart, even if it's a weird, like, nostalgia place that, like, maybe if I look at it very objectively, it shouldn't be there, but it is there. I do have one question I forgot to mention. Uh, did you play any of the other Croc games, Craig? I never owned Croc 2, no. So I have t Croc 2, and that's a game I never finished. I don't even think I made it past the first level because the movement in it is so weird, and it, I can't explain it. They just change the way the camera works. Uh, it's still tanky, but it's just like, like I don't know. The issues 
are mainly with the camera and the way it moves based on your character. And I remember just like putting it down and be like, no, I don't need to play this. <laughs> uh, I will have to give it a shot sometime because I, I'm very interested in Croc. Uh, like, you know, Croc 2, I've never played it. So, yeah, I, uh, I'll have to give it a shot sometime. Yeah, and... The second one's a bunch of crack. You don't need to play it. Wah, wah, wah. Let's go ahead and jump on into our Retro Relapse. Jones in for a classic game? It's time for Retro Relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. Retro Relapse. So, I, I have... PTGD, and so I, you know, I have a hard time trusting any selection you make glitch. What is PT, uh, whatever you said? PTGD? Post-traumatic glitch, uh, uh, or PTGS, uh, post-traumatic glitch syndrome. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I just call I have that there. too, just so you I guys just, know. Yeah, it's just friendship, right, with him? Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, how did you feel about this game this week? You know, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I would say uh, that I was pleasantly surprised as well. I uh, I saw Natsume as the the company behind Shadow of the Ninja, and I thought, well, you know, Natsume's at this time is coming out with some some pretty decently solid Nintendo uh, games, and sure enough, it's honestly pretty fun. Yeah, it's it reminded me, and I now know where. Um, oh poop! I'm gonna forget about the. What was the most recent ninja game that was like a homage? It was eight bit and sixteen bit in the, the game. Messenger? Yes, this this I think they got a lot of inspiration from this game. Um, granted, I know also Ninja Gaiden probably as well, but um, this it was a lot of fun. It, it ninja was Gaiden, not, by the way. Whatever. It was um, not as difficult as I thought it was going to be for being a ninja game because I have PTS Ninja, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was it was fun. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, it took a minute for me to understand all the controls and that I died and it gamed over. And I'm like, why did it game over? I died once. And then I was like, oh, when you fall off the map, you just lose health. And then it game's over. I was like, okay, that makes more sense. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. The music was good. The gameplay was simple and solid. Uh, I, I'm happy for this time that we're recording this. I don't know when this comes out. But for this holiday season, your gift to us was not a trash pile. And I New Year's it. Eve is when this episode comes out. Well, happy New Year's Eve to us, ending the year off in a great way. Yeah. You're welcome. Shadow of the Ninja, uh, what like the controls are fairly tight. They're not, you know, perfect because the the hitbox of your weapon is very small if you don't have the uh, upgrades or something that's a distance. Yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, it's there's a shuriken. There's like a hook. Kusari Gama. Yeah. The um, yeah the hook chain thing. If you get the sword uh, again, you get like a little like wave attack that's moves in front of it that doesn't go very far but it extends it a little bit yeah if you don't have any of the upgrades it is it's a little tough uh but yeah once you start getting weapons and you start getting the rhythm of the game uh it's it's fun i uh i enjoyed it i got up to the second level for the brief time i played 
Uh, and some of the, the stuff in that level, it starts getting pretty tough. Like, this is, I think, a game that you'll likely find is Nintendo hard. Yeah, and I and I got to the second stage, too, and, and I stopped at the weird, like, eyeball centipede-like thingy. Um, but I had fun with the fact that there was, like, two bosses in the first set of, of the World 1 or Stage 1 or whatever. I thought that was fun. And I and even I even looked this game up in speedrun.com because it seemed like a fun speedrunning game. And it only takes 10 minutes and 37 seconds. First place got it. Nice. Wow. It's a pretty short game, I guess, if you know what you're doing. Um, so it's... Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I yeah. played for 10 minutes, but I didn't beat the game, sadly. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm glad you guys liked it. I picked this because it was Natume, and I knew the music was going to be great because, I mean, Power Blade, Shattered Hand. I mean, they, they got the... The repertoire. They got, yeah, they got the repertoire for the composers to do great music. So uh, I was very happy that we got to play this. It, it like came out on the Nintendo Switch Online like five months ago, and I was like wanting to save this for when we finally got to record, but obviously COVID is stopping us from doing the recording of Retro Relapses yeah. now. So I kind of just look like, yeah, it's never going to happen. So I'll just, I'll give them a good game this time, uh, you know, while we're doing quarantine. So so generous. Uh, yes, you're welcome. It's, it's not going to be so nice next time. Sorry, guys. No, I'm, oh. I'm assuming I just want to burn my <laughs> Switch. But uh, yeah, it's very difficult. I got to an area where there was like these like pipes shooting out smoke and I couldn't get past it. I think oh, that's I where I got up to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, well, it's. Go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, it's right after the boss that you got stuck on. Because I was stuck yeah. on that one for a bit, too. Oh, okay. Uh, after like, him you, is that. You don't, like, also, it doesn't tell you how to do movement. So, like, there's points of where I'm, like, hanging from a platform. And I'm like, okay, don't know what to do right now. Uh, and then so I just press up, and he, like, climbs up over it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you do that. All right, cool. Yeah, th- there's a, a certain charm to, to games like this the older games especially, that don't map out their controls. They're simple enough controls that you'll figure it out by experimenting, but you have to kind of play around a little bit in the level and stuff, and yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Or it benefits from the manual, which we didn't have. Right. That's also Maybe. a possibility. But yeah, on an 8-bit scale, I, I'm going to give this game a 7 out of 8. I really enjoyed it. I think that with a little bit more practice and a little bit more pattern recognition, I could I could play this game no problem. I think a six and a half. Uh, I I don't I don't think I want to put it into the the like that high end tier of sevens or eights of of uh, uh, retro relapse. Uh, and maybe it's because of the fact that we've been burned so many times with retro relapse before. Uh, but yeah, I, I think six and a half. I especially if you own a Switch and you have a subscription to their online service. Play this game. You you have access to it right now if that's the case. And uh, otherwise, you know, it's it's probably a little hard to find, you know, being an old Nintendo game. Uh, what about you, Glitch? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go six out of eight. Uh, I think it's, you know, the gameplay is a little too difficult, I think, especially super early. But maybe once I learned the controls a little better, I might get further. But the music just really bumps it up. Yeah, the music so, is six. pretty pretty solid. Uh, but... Speaking of music, let's go ahead and jump in to our music bracket. So, we have our Mega Man stage theme bracket. Oh, man. Okay, so I just got to say, originally I was super excited to want to do this bracket. Uh-huh. 
But now, after several weeks of having to choose between Mega Man versus Mega Man song, I hate mm-hmm. this bracket. I absolutely hate it. I can't choose. Is this these, trauma? These songs are so difficult to decide on. Tony, are you saying that you you feel pain every episode we record because <laughs> you have to deal with something it's difficult? A, it's kind of a different reason. There, mm. I'm not... I'm not Upset there's a, because, there's a word because I pick the wrong songs. I'm upset because the music a, is too good. There's a word that comes to my mind when I hear that. It's, uh, Schadenfreude? It's, it's karma. It's karma. I hope you feel pain every episode we record for, the, for this season. I, uh, I'm not going to say Chops is right, Glitch, but Chops is right. You deserve it. <laughs> First up, we have from Mega Man 4. Composed by Minae Fuji and Yasuaki Fujita, we have the theme of Bright Man. Let's give it a listen. We could just do a supercut of all our episodes of just all the songs playing back to back, or is it just a YouTube playlist? So <laughs> basically, mind. you want to, you just want to, yeah, listen to the music of all the Mega Man games. Uh, yep. that, but yep. that's fair. Uh, so we just do a rhythm of retro where we just play all the songs from one to eleven. We'll just do that. That's a long episode. That's gonna be a okay. long episode, but it'll be a good episode. It'll I, be a good episode. I it's better say than it like, be a good uh, episode. I <laughs> yeah. uh, going up against Bright Man. From Mega Man 2, composed by Takashi Tateishi, we have the theme of Metal Man. Let's give it a listen. Thank you. 
to do they're both really good but man metal man's theme is so good yeah both these are amazing but just uh just be like chops just vote for the one that you picked and that which one's better yeah i 100%. I, I think it... because my choices are better it's not just because uh they're my choices tony or glitch sorry they're they're <laughs> they're better that's why i'm infallible is what i'm trying to say now sure. we know that's a lot yeah, it's true. I'm, 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 a, I'm a schmuck. <laughs> that's that's a filthy, stinking lie. But, but Craig, for those who can decide, how can they vote for these songs? Well, there are quite a few different options. We have on Facebook a vote there every week. Now, voting has been tricky, and we've been trying to to, to nail it down. Uh, Glitch, uh, have we come to a decision? Is it going to be? Yeah, I think we figured out the best way is we're just going to do a reaction vote so you know we'll have an image up one will have a reaction like a heart or a laughing face next to it you can just do a reaction to that post and we'll count it that way because i think facebook doesn't like doing polls anymore so they're removing it and the one we did in the group was glitching out you know probably because i posted it but uh that could be yeah but uh so that's the way we're gonna do it so just go to our page lesson retro and you can vote there Awesome. Uh, so we have our Facebook page. Uh, we have our uh, Twitter account. You can jump on there and you can go ahead and uh, vote. We have a poll there every week. We also have on our Discord, it's another reason to join, not just to talk about the cave themes and croc. If you go to GameZillaMedia.com, uh, there's a link there. You can join in. The Legend of Retro chat is uh, always going. We're always excited to talk about classic video games. Uh, we also now have community playthroughs of video games we're doing. Uh, you know, so, so jump on in, chat about retro games, play with us. It's a ton of fun. But finally, on our Patreon page, if you go to patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia, we have a vote there as well. So, and that's uh, for everybody at the dollar tier and above. Uh, but Glitch, when it comes to Patreon, uh, what else do our, uh, uh, you know, fans get yeah so you do get that vote at one dollar but if you're generous enough to give us five dollars you also get our show game shark so once a month we release a episode just for our patrons at the five dollar level and guess what you have one today it's a music episode it's not all mega man one through eleven 
But I think Darn, you enjoy should, the rhythm. Hindsight, we should have done that. <laughs> yes. Uh, today, if you're a member of Patreon at the $5 tier, you get access to myself and Chops presenting a Rhythm of Retro where we play for you and discuss winter music in classic video games. Which is, it's hard to, to just to give a teaser, or I guess behind the scenes, it was hard for me to come up with songs. And then the, after we recorded it and all the episodes that we've recorded for the show since, like there's been like a winter theme in a lot of these games. <laughs> and I'm like, man. Wish I could have done this first. <laughs> yeah, some of the things have been good. So. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, listening to the soundtrack of uh, Croc, I was like, "Man, I could have used that uh, Ice Island theme for our uh, uh, winter uh, right? rhythm of retro." Man, oh well. But it's just more reason for you guys, the fans, after you listen to it, tell us what we missed in our Discord, um, what you felt about our choices, because we want to one, we want to know what you think, and two. Um, we want to remember these great songs. So please help us. Yeah. And that is out right now. I mean, unless you're like BMC who listens to our show at like 1.5 speed, uh, that episode will be out uh, by the end of this episode. So go He's ahead. Just a, more efficient than you. Don't, don't, <laughs> he, don't knock him. Yeah. He, uh, he has a lot of podcasts to listen to. I don't blame him, but I, uh, uh, I like, so. I like the thought that uh, to him right now, I sound like a chipmunk. <laughs> and I don't sound any different. It's really weird. It, it's Hi, BMC. <laughs> it's crazy how it works out. Uh, but yeah, so go to patreon.com slash gamezone media. And obviously, we want to thank all of our patrons for being members, especially our new ones. We have three new members from since the last time we recorded. Uh, we have Jeffrey Gaham, Level EZ, and Neon Genesis. So thank you guys so much for being members. Yeah, that's yeah. super awesome. Huge, huge support for us. We really appreciate it. Um, not only is it great to have extra patrons, but it's also great to have extra people to talk to about video games uh, in our Discord. So even if you're not looking for Cant right now to spend some extra money on our Patreon, go to our Discord and you'll get us even more in there. I don't know if that's a good pitch. I don't know, I don't know that I want more of me, let alone more of us. You always want more. I of you. live with me, and I don't want more of me, let alone us. If you want more of Craig, listen to Noobs and Dragons on the Gamezilla Media Network. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Wait, <laughs> no, I would. Yeah, listen to my shows. That means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but guys, I think that we've babbled long enough. Let's go ahead and sign off on this episode. We'll see y'all next time. When the, when the legend, legend continues. continues. Legend of Retro will return. Take care.